Presents Black Glove Mysteries with Ian Urza and Gregor Mortis. Welcome to Black Glove Mysteries. I'm your host, Greg Amortis, along with Ian Urza. What's going on, Ian? Hey. Brother, we're back. It's episode 347 of LOTC Double Double 23. Uh, I guess what we could do is 23 was Michael Jordan's number, if I don't remember correctly. I think I do. But uh, uh, Yes, and it was LeBron James's number for quite a while until he switched it back to six. I think he's gone back at fourth. Um, but yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, we're excited tonight. Uh, we got two films on Slate. We're going to be looking at 1971's Oasis of Fear as well as 1970. The Crimes of Black Cat. Uh, that's what's on tap, as well as a bonus little, uh, uh, I guess we'll call it a mini talk review at the beginning that we'll start before we even get into all that. Uh, but if this is your first time listening to LOTC, and especially first time listening to Black Glove Mysteries, uh, Ian and myself each, every, well, I should say each, every other Friday we come out with these episodes and we talk Italian giallo, as well as we'll throw in some other Italian horror films uh, from here and there, so sometimes you might get a Policia, uh, Euro Crime, you might, you know, who knows what we're going to throw in there, but uh, it, it'll try to typically be Italian, so that's where we'll stay at. But, anyways, uh, welcome to the show. So, Ian, I'm super excited. Uh, I think your move's going well, it sounds like, so you're starting to get adapted to your home, and that's really cool, man. I'm excited for that. Yeah, uh, I've been happy about it. Um, I'm hoping to like, you know, I'm actually recording at my mom's house right now again because it's it's you know the day before Thanksgiving, so I drove over here, uh, you know, to, to get ready for the holiday. But uh, you know, I have a, a you know a spare bedroom basically that I'll probably make like my movie and podcasting room and everything. So awesome! Yeah, I love it, man. I'm so excited. Uh, but we both recently have seen the movie uh, Eli Roth. Thanksgiving that's 16 years in the freaking making dude and it finally got made and we want to talk about it a little bit and I'm gonna uh, send it over to you man and get your initial thoughts like uh, I, I assume you saw it in the theater as well as I did and and uh, I'll let you speak first and I'll come in about my thoughts on it 
Yeah, basically, I ended up going one of the nights when I was working, and I had to find a theater that had the right time because all of them were playing like uh, in the Bangor area. We're all playing kind of a little bit past seven o'clock, and I have to work at nine, so that really wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, this one was at five twenty-five at some at, at the theater in Orono, Maine, which is right by the University of Maine. But anyway, so that ended up working, uh, and yeah, I liked the film just because I thought it. it it felt like a, a, a throwback. It almost felt like a mix of like Scream and Halloween at the same time mm-hmm. with its holiday theme. I don't know if he emphasized Thanksgiving as much as he did Black Friday. That might have been one of my slight problems with it. Is it it kind of focused on the the commercial feel of Thanksgiving rather than the, the familial feel to it, which I didn't I think you could have done a little bit better in that regard. But just as a slasher film, I mean you got the high school setting and you got numerous references to other to other films and you know the scream references are kind of there you've got you know uh, you know the the pretty uh i don't, I don't want to say obvious but the 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 tribute uh, to halloween with the you know the, the the killer in the mask outside the school and the one scene and, oh yeah uh you've got the what i what i would think is a my bloody valentine reference with the uh with like the love triangle thing with the one guy coming back into town who used to be her boyfriend and everything like that and then i i don't know if eli roth was thinking about this at all but you know i really enjoyed patrick dempsey and scream three as an authority figure in a slasher film and it was nice to see him play a similar role again yeah totally i agree and and what i like about patrick dempsey is is like he can play the character where is he good is he bad so you're always and when you got a slasher much like a jalo you always have him red hair and so you know he he gives you that because you he could pull both sides of the of the envelope and i felt like that through the movie there's points is he the killer is he not the killer and i love that they put that character in there and patrick's such a great actor man i love to watch him so I totally agree. Uh, the cast is great. Gina uh, Grishon, man, she looked beautiful as always. And uh, I love Rick Hoffman, who plays uh, Mr. Wright in this one. I absolutely love it, guy. Uh, of course, I'm assuming that Eli brought him back over because of the hostile films. Uh, yeah, I also like him in The Condemned, the Steve <laughs> yeah. Austin movie, where he plays like the computer technician. Yes, kind of have not seen that in ages. Uh, but no, the cast is really good in this, and I like it. I like the story, much like a slasher. It's simple, you know, nothing that'll make you have to think too hard. But I think some of the kills are, are really well done, which I was pleased with. And uh, overall, man, I just think it's a solid film. Is it great? I don't think it's what I would consider to be a masterpiece, but man, it's so fun. Um, I couldn't ask for anything more. I mean, we wanted that. Ever since the trailer came out like 16 years ago, we've wanted this movie. Is it exactly what I would have wanted it to be? Maybe not, but then again, it's Eli Roth, and we got an Eli Roth film, and he done what he always does. He delivers for me. Yeah, um, I agree. We just need Rob Zombie to make his werewolf film now from the Chronicles. Oh, God, yes. What was that? That's like the only one. Yeah, yeah. Everyone else has made. Everyone else has made them. Uh, You know, uh, Rodriguez made two Machete movies. Mm -hmm. One of which I enjoyed. The first one. The second one, not so much. Uh, Hobo with a Shotgun. I still have yet to see. Although I've always heard that that one's pretty good. I've not Um, seen it either. (laughs) uh, 
but yeah, we yeah, it's awesome that you know Eli Roth got a chance to do this, and the fact that we have a Thanksgiving themed mm-hmm. uh, horror movie, which we don't really have much of. I mean, Blood Rage would probably be the only one that I can think of. Exactly. I mean, there's, I mean, there's a ton of Christmas ones. I'm sure there's a couple Easter ones out there somewhere, although I can't really think of too many right now. Um, but yeah, and the kills, the kills are good. I mean, it's I don't know how I don't I think he I don't know how much he injected too many practical effects into them uh but i do think the kills are really good the suspense scenes are really good too that Mm -hmm. actually surprised me how good the suspense scenes were uh there's a really good bit of misdirection at one point where let's just say the killer might be wearing something different than you might expect that was actually a really good sequence um Mm -hmm. and then yeah the reveal and everything at the end i thought was was good so yeah i i enjoyed it quite a bit yeah definitely so if you get a chance uh go see it in the theater while it's there if not i mean this is a uh, purchase as soon as it comes out because this is going to be a every year man i'm gonna watch this every year at thanksgiving with blood rage just go yeah, on. I'm I'm with you. Hopefully, Eli does like a commentary or something for the bonus oh, features too. Dude, that'd be so yeah. cool, man! Bonus like behind the scene featurette or something. Uh, give us some stuff on there. I'd love that because I love Eli Roth. Anyways, he's such a such a horror I, fan. Yeah, I I'm not like the biggest fan of all of his films. If I'm being honest, I do like most of them. I'm not gonna I, I, I'm not gonna sit here and say I dis I dislike them. I the hostile films are not. Not really my thing. Uh, torture stuff, it, I kind of have a hard time with. Like even Saw to some degree. I used to like those films when I was younger. I have a harder time with them now. Mm. And those don't even necessarily qualify as torture porn. But anyway, for whatever reason, I just don't necessarily enjoy those type of films. But for the most part with Eli, I've liked what he, he's done. And I liked him as a, a as a voice, as a sort of horror uh, ambassador, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan of the Hostile films. So I'm, I'm kind of on the flip side of you like the hostels grindhouse uh all those gore films i'm all about it and cabin fever i think is great uh so i'm a big fan i did like green inferno i did like green inferno yeah, quite a bit. i did too man i thought that was really a good uh homage or nod uh of course to uh cannibal holocaust and and i thought they'd done a really bang up job yeah. Uh, so great job to Eli Roth, man. I'm proud of him. I give him two thumbs up. And and what I like is that a lot of people are praising this movie. Like you don't see a lot of backlash on this. So, no. Uh, I'm very excited for Eli on that, and I know he needs to be looking back, thinking, "Man, damn right, <laughs> I love it." So uh, yeah, thanks. Would you would would you have a rating for it? Or? Yeah, I actually did. I rate this one. I don't even remember if I rated this one. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I gave this a nine. Uh, I'm pretty sure. It yeah, was a nine. I'm kind of leaning toward that as well. Like either an eight and a half or, mm-hmm. or a nine. I think I would need to see it again to to be a hundred percent sure. But this one, I I, I definitely don't see it getting any worse upon rewatch. Let's put it that way. I think it would only get probably only get better. So oh, totally. Yeah, yeah I don't see this going down because you know the way it blew me away and it's not that I went I was excited but I didn't go to the theater thinking you know this is going to be the greatest movie so I didn't build it up too much I just went because and I was pleased with it so uh, it's definitely not going to go down I doubt so good job man so we love Thanksgiving Uh, Eli make us some more films there my brother 
so it's time to get into our Jalo tonight. I do want to apologize. My voice is a little weak tonight. I'll try to keep from coughing, but if you hear a sniff or a cough every once in a while, I apologize. I'm starting to get a little bit of a bug, which I got to knock out. I got two days to get this shit out of me because I got a convention coming up, bitch. Uh, so I've got to knock this out. So, uh, prayers <laughs> so as you're listening to this you won't even care because yeah no you will because you'll hear this the day of so there you go listener so pray for me <laughs> going to you're going to a convention uh wrestling convention so a little different oh okay yeah oh gonna, yeah gonna see some i, I actually have been to one of those i my buddy was my my friend brian who's still my best friend is a huge wrestling fan and they had a wrestling convention right by suki arena in winslow one year like right by where i live a small town it was very strange for them to have one there but like Kevin Nash and oh, wow. uh, Razor Ramon uh, and like uh, Tony Atlas, Scotty Tuhati, all of those people. And Scotty Tuhati from Maine so it makes sense that he was there. Okay, But nice. yeah, it was it was really cool and, and we got to see them, a lot of them wrestle like Scotty Tuhati had a match against someone, Tony Atlas did and uh, Kevin Nash and um, uh, X-Pac uh, nice. had a match against six. so that was really cool. Yeah, nice. Well, the one we're going to is uh, WrestleCade in Winston-Salem. Uh, there's going to be over 200 wrestlers there. Um, oh, wow. Three-day event. It's going to be huge. I'm going to get to see some of the original Four Horsemen, so I'm super excited, man. I cannot wait. Uh, so stay yeah. tuned. I'll try to take some video and get some pictures and everything. Jeff Hardy's doing a uh, uh, concert after one of the wrestling events Saturday night, so we'll get to see Jeff Hardy in concert. That's going to be cool, listen to some of his music. Uh, so like I said, I'll try to do some videos and, and pictures and all that good stuff. So uh, there we go. So uh, let's get into this episode. I think we'll go in chronological order. So in order to do that, I guess we will start with a movie called An Ideal Place to Kill, a.k.a. Oasis of Fear. And let's go over to Ian. And Ian, give us a plot synopsis for this one. Also, aka Dirty Pictures and Deadly Trap. <laughs> that's from the uh, that's from uh, the Troy Howard's book. I um, love it. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Dick and Ingrid go on vacation in Italy, in Italy, financing their trip by selling pornographic pictures they take of themselves making love. They land in hot water with the law and make a hasty retreat, but their car runs out of gas, seeking shelter at an isolated villa. They appeal to the owner, Barbara, for assistance. Barbara is very erratic in her behavior, welcoming one moment and threatening to call the police the next. Soon the young couple find themselves mixed up in an elaborate murder plot. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, man, I'm going to spoil the crap out of this right off the bat. I love this movie. <laughs> I'm just going to say straight up, I had a lot of fun. This thing is, is wow. I mean, you get, of course, a lot of nudity, as you would think, with you know showing pornography or whatever. Uh, but I love the plot, man. I like the, the premise where these... <laughs> These two characters, Dick and Ingrid, are basically trying to just have a, a fun fun vacation day or whatever. So in order to do it, they're getting schmutt and all kinds of pornography together to you know help foot the bill. And then when they run out, hey, they just go into a little phone booth and take pictures of her breast and say, here, we'll just do that and sell it. All I found out in this, Ian, was that... Italians are very horny and very willing to throw out a lot of money for just a nude picture. I did get that out of this. In the 1970s, you have to remember that, you know, this is right after all those, you know, liberations movement and all that 
stuff uh, yeah. from the 1960s, so the, the pornographic material still was harder to come by. I do. Lindsay in his interview talked about how he wasn't originally the the thing that they were supposed to be smuggling was drugs, and that actually makes more sense, especially with how the police come down on them. Because I don't, yeah. I don't know if the police would particularly care quite as much as they seem to care about these two people selling porn around. I mean, maybe they would. I don't know. The times were so much different. <laughs> they were ready to nowadays. Shoot and kill. <laughs> And nowadays it's like nowadays it's 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 I mean nowadays it's like ridiculous I mean what they you know it's it, it's it's way more available now oh, yeah. now than it was then obviously in, oh, yeah. in many different ways but it's like I don't know that that aspect of the film I found kind of dated in its own way but still kind of interesting because I I like the idea this film feels very easy rider inspired and I think Lindsay had talked about that and you have sort of the road aspect to the movie early on and then it kind of becomes kind of a home invasion movie but not really it's almost like it's almost like paranoia like the movie you did with carol baker but it, it kind of flips it where you're kind of rooting a little bit more for the other two people rather than the older woman in the house yeah yeah and i did like that scenario because so basically first off the car that they were driving was really cool and i mean it's straight out of the 70s you got the flowers and you know you think this is free man <laughs> like free love free everything i loved it uh cool ass car but they come up to this house because they run out of gas and there's this beautiful older lady there and uh she ends up letting them in the home and then you know some debauchery and different things happen uh was not really that shocked in what happened because it kind of was right there and it wasn't a big surprise when it revealed to me no, I think the reveal is more how uh, rather than who and why. Um, you know, you get that one specific flashback sequence and some good editing where a character is explaining something that actually is not true and you're seeing what actually did happen, yeah. which is kind of interesting. I love it. Um, I don't, you know, it's interesting. I did not enjoy this as much as you did, um, oh, apparently. Oh, no, Ian! Uh, I, I, think, I think it's... I think it's trying to be paranoia and it's not really working for me as well because I just don't think I, I think at a certain point once you know the mystery there's not really much to do I mean I I, I think it kind of reminds me of so sweet uh, is it so so sweet so perverse right and mm. that that's the movie I'm thinking of with the second half it's like a little too predictable where it goes and I don't particularly like that um, I think paranoia and the other giallo films we we covered by Lindsay are better. I don't. I do not dislike this film by any means. I just think it's probably the least of the ones I've seen of, of his because I think it's predictable and a lot of the stuff he was he the in terms of the erotic aspects he was really hampered by the two actresses he was working with. Uh, Irene Pappas. Every shot of hers is a body double because she was not willing to do nudity. And Ornella Muti was fifteen when this was filmed. Um, which is, I cannot believe that um, by today's standards, but yeah, that's why a lot of shots of her are a body double as well, save for a couple of things that they like literally couldn't hide, like her reflection in the shower and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But I kind of yeah. feel, I did not read any of the trivia up on that, but I knew in my heart, I was like, dude, these are body doubles. You can just kind of tell by the way they were shot. 
And she actually doesn't, I would, I don't really think she looks that, that young, truth be told. Like, it's one of those things where she doesn't look it, but it, it, you know, it's, they, I think he, I think his producer recommended her and she could speak English well. So, uh, she was, you know, the, 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 the two characters are speaking English. They're, I think they're both dubbed, obviously, but, um, you know, obviously to do the, to do the lines phonetically, she was a good choice for that. And I think it just, like I said, it just doesn't it doesn't work for me quite as well as paranoia does even though i still like some of the themes like i said i like the the road aspects the hippie aspects i mean that scene where they're that scene where they sort of camp out for a night with the with the motorcyclists um yeah that was that that felt straight out of something like easy rider or, or or something like that um and even the scenes before that where they're just kind of they get rich I, I don't know exactly what dick does he sells some kind of record or something it looks like to franco Russell actually he was a actor we've seen in several other films and all of a sudden they're rich and they just blow all their money by going to like these expensive restaurants and stuff which yeah. seems totally like something that, you know those these type of people would would uh, do uh, and you've got you know you got other actors showing up you got Tom Falegi showing up uh, in this movie in a, in a small but uh, major role as well um, so mm. I mean I, like I said I, I like the film I just don't I just don't think it works as well as some of the others we've seen uh, by him yeah the one thing I will say for me that I had, the, if I had a knock, it does not play as a giallo at all, in my opinion. Like, this is the, when it gets to a giallo aspect, like, I see zero in this one, honestly. I don't feel it at all. Yeah, um, there's not, it, at least Paranoia still had, like, a murder mystery element to it, and, yeah. and like, you know, a really good twist at the end, which the twist at the end of this one, it's not really a twist. It's more like you're not ex- you're not exactly expecting what happens to the two main characters, but mm-hmm. it's you, it's not some it's not something I don't think you're ever ruling out. Uh, let's just say that let's say it that way. Um, but yeah, on the Giallo aspects, it's very minimal. And Troy Howard, he even said he's like, I had a hard time even putting this in my book because I don't really think of this film mm-hmm. as a Giallo. It's it's almost like Cold Eyes of Fear, the Castellari movie, which is a home invasion movie. And it's usually classified as a Giallo, but it really is not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like it's like it's like considering you know some people will consider action movies thrillers but there's a very big difference between a movie like i don't know casino royale and uh vertigo you know as a thriller so it's it's kind of like that a little bit yeah i agree with that and uh for this one it's more of a drama with a little bit of thriller and then of course you throw in some uh sexual scenes in there so for me as a giallo this is very weak but as a movie i just really enjoyed it man i went into it and shut my my giallo brain off like five minutes in the movie i was like this is not going to be a giallo at all uh so i already shut that out and said i'm just going to watch this for what it is uh, i thought the cast um ornella multi or moody i mean playing ingrid i thought she was a beautiful lady man so you know her and dick look great together i love them and then barbara was awesome so I just I had a lot of fun with it for what it was, but as a Jalo, this thing would be like a two because there's just nothing in it that would warrant yeah. it to be a Jalo. Uh, but as a movie, you'll, I'll get my rating here in a minute and. Uh 
you get some mm-hmm. you do get some cool like um i want to call them like almost like double vision shots like the psychedelic shots where someone's seeing a bunch of different shots of the one thing you know what yeah. i'm talking about yeah. that happens a few different times and i kind of yeah. like that i kind of like the uh the scene in the the aviary where the camera's cutting to all the the birds and everything mm-hmm. get back to you know the knife or whatever they're fighting over that's kind of a cool sequence and like i said the editing during that flashback sequence i thought was was good um i didn't necessarily feel too much tension compared to some of his other films but there there were there were some moments i mean that part when you know they're about to search the uh, the trunk of the car and then moody uh you know fakes uh, fainting uh ingrid does uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah that was that was uh, kind of fun um and like i said there were some scenes early on i like i like seeing a uh, sal borghese uh guy who's in a bunch of different euro crime movies playing the uh the motorcyclist guy with the the mustache i like seeing him in this i had kind of forgotten that he was in it uh, and yeah i'm just trying to think of other things i i can add but yeah i mean i think it's like i said i think it it is a good job flipping paranoia on its head a bit by focusing on the other two characters and i kind of like them uh together especially i kind of like ray lovelock and his his sort of uh you know suave way of flirting with the older lady and uh ingrid kind of getting jealous uh, oh, yeah. of them two together um which oh, yeah. i found it that to be sort of interesting and Ray Lovelock wearing that giant Union Jack shirt I thought was very funny <laughs> it was uh, the music in this one was pretty good and that's by Bruno Lousy uh, I thought they'd done a, a decent job on it. it's nothing to me that felt like it stood out but there were a few songs on there that, that were good so I enjoyed them um, I thought the there's not really any uh, gore or anything like that so you're not going to get murder and mayhem or anything so you don't really get that to look at uh but overall man it's pretty fun i mean the set pieces were decent there were some outer uh shots out while they're driving around i like the uh the roadside by the ocean scenes were pretty well done uh so overall i mean all that uh, i was pleased with it's um it's actually very coincidental but both of the films we're covering are were filmed in copenhagen for at least part of the film. I know this one, I think, is filmed there at the very beginning, and Crimes of the Black Hat, I think, is filmed there pretty much all throughout. Oh, um, wow. So, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, overall, man, it's a really fun watch for me. Do you got anything on dubbing corners or anything? Not for this one. I didn't really recognize any of the, the voices here. I, I thought I kind of recognized Ray Lovelocks, but I can't really put a name to it. Okay. Cool. Um, you got anything else on this one other than... Well, I like the music in this as well, um, just because he uses the same that same leap motif of that opening song with a lot of different instruments throughout, and I actually really enjoyed that. Agree. Uh, so overall, man, this is a fun watch. Um, I don't know, Ian. When I'm coming in, I'm coming in with like an eight. I'm gonna go in with an eight on this one and say uh, I, I actually want to have this one. I watched it on YouTube. It is available on YouTube. Uh, it was weird because watching it like halfway through the movie to three quarter of the way, all of a sudden they started talking in Italian. And like there's no subtitle, so there was like a ten-ish minute part of this movie where it went from being English complete to where it was Italian and I'm like oh shit uh, so I went like 10 minutes just happened to say okay I, I get you <laughs> and then it just goes back to English so I don't know what happened maybe added scenes or something I don't know 
but it didn't throw me off too bad. I mean, a lot of this movie you can just watch and don't even really know what they're saying is fine. Uh, what would you come in on a rating for this one? Six. Oh, Ian, we're so different on this one. <laughs> this might be the only one that we've ever disagreed on. Yeah, I mean, we're not disagreeing like a ton, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's, I don't know, like I said, I don't, I don't find it, I like literally every one of Lindsay's shallows I like better than this one, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like I would take all the four in the Lindsay Baker set, oh, absolutely. eyeball, spasmo, uh, seven foot stained orchids over this one, mm-hmm. but it's still, it's still not, it's, it's, you know, it's not bad, okay. um, I don't, I don't really think I've seen a, a bad Umberto Lindsay film, truth be told. No, true, true, true. All right, well, cool. Let's get into our uh, last feature review tonight. We're going to go one year later to 1972. We're going to go to a film from uh, Sergio Pastore, and it's The Crimes of the Black Cat. What you got there, buddy? Peter Oliver is a blind musician who is working on the score for a thriller. One night he goes to a restaurant to meet his lover, Paola, but she sends him a Dear John note instead. While drowning his sorrows, Peter overhears a conversation between a man and a woman. He is unable to make out the entire content of the conversation, but can hear long enough to determine that the woman is being pressured into doing something against her will in order to get some narcotics. The next day, Paola turns up dead, and Peter is on the short list of suspects. He teams up with Susan and his valet, Burton, to try and clear his name and eventually discovers that there is a link between the half-heard conversation and a series of murders. <laughs> now this one's straight up Jallo, listeners. This one, lots of, uh, lots of Jallo in this one. And I, I'll spoil it. I'll love this one as well. <laughs> I had a lot of fun with this one too. But um, what do you think of this one? Is this your first time watch or had you seen this one before? No, I had seen it one other time when I got the Cauldron Blu-ray initially. Um, there had been like a pretty beat-up print on circulating some places, so the Cauldron Blu-ray was, uh, when I first got it, that was the first time I watched it because I was waiting to see it in a really good uh, print. Mm. And I had a lot of fun revisiting this one. It definitely feels like a lot of Argento influence, specifically uh, the bird with the crystal plumage. I mean, you got, you know, the blind character, also a musician, and just, you know, uses uh, use of recordings and the threatening phone calls and everything and you know some interesting characters sort of working together to, to, to solve the mystery sort of against what the cops want um, especially in this case this cop is is useless <laughs> but uh, the, the, you know it's it, you know you got the the really interesting method for the killer like the whole basically he uses like some kind of drug or, or something some kind of chemical that makes a cat um go you know kind of go crazy and then the cat's claw is dipped in some sort of poison so whenever it you know scratches someone they die which is like totally out of like an agatha christie book or something it's it's definitely a very interesting uh method for uh, a killer in a giallo film and i i enjoyed that part of it quite a bit um and I think as the mystery, uh, you know, comes along, I think the film, there's like little things there that, that you know, the, the, the main the main character, uh, the, the Anthony Steffen character discovers and he puts together. And because he's blind, you know, he needs help from, from others to figure it out. And I thought that, that the aspects of, of that were interesting. In the last act, you know, there's a really good suspenseful scene that takes place near basically like some kind of construction uh, place, I would say. Yeah. Uh, 
and that that was a really good sequence. You've got one one insanely brutal kill at the end of the film. It almost feels like an outlier compared to everything else in the film. That it's like a film that it's like a kill that you would expect to be in in the New York Ripper or something. It's actually or very very violent or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I was surprised by it uh, the first time I watched it. I did feel like they were. It felt like a way more violent version of like the psycho shower scene. That's mm-hmm. I guess all I'll say about it. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this, this this I found fun because I liked some of the the characters. I kind of like the. Uh, I'm trying to remember her name, but the the blonde woman who ends up sort of becoming friends with uh, Stefan, who also I think who also worked at the modeling agency, and he and she kind of helps him in his quest, and and you know the the butler uh, the played by Umberto Rajo. Uh, I thought that I thought that the three of them were kind of an interesting trio uh, for the investigation. And then you got the other two, the Sylvia Silva Koshina character, uh, Francois, and uh, what's his name, Victor, mm-hmm. played by Giacomo Rossi Stewart, uh, sort of on the other side of it, who you think are involved with this somehow. You don't exactly know if one of them could be the killer, but you see that they're kind of in, against this investigation and they're they're kind of doing things on their own as well. So you got that conflict there, and then you got the really useless cop who's just kind of there to to say you shouldn't be investigating and everything you're you're saying is wrong. Although he he is smart enough to at least know that like Victor could be the killer. Um, just because he's like, well, it, there's that like that one scene where they confirmed that the first woman died of heart failure, and then he's like, well, that doesn't mean that the second you're not. It doesn't mean you're off the hook for the second person who just got you know stabbed <laughs> with a knife. So yeah. that that was kind of interesting. Uh, it's just. All along the way, he's like doesn't believe that a cat could be doing this until him, until uh, what's his name, the Anthony Stephan character, um, mm-hmm. Peter, Peter Oliver, and uh, the Butler uh, Burton. They kind of have this demonstration with the cat, and they show him like the chemicals and the poison, and and then the cops like, oh, well, that that actually makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> basically, <laughs> it's 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 one of those one of those things. Uh, so yeah, you got you got that going on, and you got you know different little things like the you got the blind character just it's it's funny i don't know i I don't know what came out first like this or or a cat of nine tails um but it's one of those things where it's kind of it's kind of similar to that where this character because of their blindness they're they're able to focus more on you know audio and hearing things and and smelling things so he recognizes one of the women you know the women he overheard the conversation with at the beginning because of how she smells and he's like she has to be wearing something in particular and uh, all of that, and he, he like he's, he uses the sound to his advantage at one point when the killer is in his house and turns all the lights off and everything. So I found that pretty interesting as well. There were a lot of things I liked about this one. I did too. Yeah, Cat and Nine Tails came out the year before 1971, but I don't know exactly when these were filmed. If they were filmed near each other, but I kind of get what you're saying there. Uh, I love this movie. I thought Peter Oliver played by Anthony Stefan. I thought he was really good. I liked his character being a blind musician type character that had it not been for him nothing would have got solved because like you said the police were were pointless uh the i guess you'd call them the 
inspector or whatever you want to call him. He, he, yeah, he was pointless. I did love seeing Umberto Rajo come up, man, with Burton. I like <laughs> watching these movies now, Ian, and you start seeing these reoccurring characters. No matter how big or strong or small their character parts are, just seeing them, you're like, oh, I remember him. <laughs> oh, I remember her. Uh, I love that dude. I just I well, it's it. cool to see him and and you know Giacomo Rossi Stewart and Anthony Stefan all together because they were also all in uh, the night Evelyn came out of the grave together. Right. I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this movie plays really well, man. It's got a lot of the who done it. So it's like, is this one the killer? Is this one the killer? It has a good fake out uh, in one of the scenes that you know was a good uh, a good twist. I thought, and I like the scenario. I love that that the killers you know basically putting the poison in the claw or on the claw of the cat and then causing it to scratch uh pretty genius so overall man this one runs good it's not it's a not a short i'm not gonna say it's a short movie what is it uh 96 so it's an hour and 36 minutes um, but it plays quick i don't think it's really that long of a movie feel for me you got everything you want you got good gore scenes in it and like you said i totally agree that that last kill scene or not the last one but the major kill scene at the end of this movie is so brutal like insanely brutal and it is a little bit out of place because other kills are not like that so it does kind of catch you by surprise but i loved it I thought they did a great job with it. But I like it, man. I just think this movie really works on all avenues. Uh, Manuel DeSica does the uh, music. I thought the music was good in it. Uh, you got lots of actresses, pretty actresses. You get uh, great kills, good mystery. Uh, if you're into nudity, you get that. So you got everything that, that you're looking at in a giallo, and it has all that. Uh, so overall, man, this, there's not much... Not too much negativeness, in my opinion, on this one for me. I know the critical reception, all movie says uh, they're calling it an underrated gem and one of the most entertainingly flamboyant giallo films, it says, uh, from all movie. And it's definitely good. It definitely is coming off of that Argento feel. You can definitely you know, get that. It's not quite there. I mean, Argento's definitely got the upper hand. But I did like the glass burst scene toward the end of this movie, and I thought they'd done great with that. Uh, so overall, man, I really have nothing really major to, to shit on this movie. I don't really have anything. Yeah, I mean, I, I pointed out most of the things I like. There's like a there's also kind of like a, a cool little almost like chase scene like he oh, yeah. is that scene where he finds uh the, you know the, the drug addicted woman and he asks you know he's like burton follower and then burton <laughs> burton like gets gets arrested for walk, like jaywalking or something yes. and then he's, he gets like he gets cited for that then 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 they show up and then you know he, he as he has uh, uh her follow uh uh not susan susan is the drug addicted woman margo margo is the woman they're hanging out with yeah uh, and so, and then they kind of figure out where this woman could live. And because of the smell, he figures, okay, she must work at like an animal place or have a lot of animals. And she took this one bus, specific bus home. So they kind of narrow down where she could be because of that, which is interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, overall, do you have anything on the dubbing corner? 
Uh, yeah, I did have quite a bit. I'm trying to look through all my notes here. Um, mm-hmm. Pat Stark does at least one of the women in like the the agency, uh, you know, the modeling agency at the very beginning when you have Victor coming in. There's all those different women at the modeling agency. I wanna, I almost want to say she was dubbing. She may have been dubbing. What's her name? Um, the first, the first girl to die, uh, Paula. Paula. Yeah. I think she was dubbing her. Uh, Sylvia Koshina, who's playing Francois, is dubbed by Susan Spafford. Uh, Jeffrey Cobbleston is dubbing uh, Umberto Rajo as Burton. Edmund Purdom is dubbing Anthony Stephan as Peter Oliver. I'm not entirely sure if there were others I could think of. Oh, well, uh, you know, Frank Von Kugelgen is dubbing uh, Harry, the, uh, the photographer guy. And John Gayford shows up for one. Uh, John Gayford dubs Martin, who's like the the gay um, the stylist or whatever. You see him in one very quick sequence at the modeling agency. Mm-hmm. So I can't I can't think of any others right now. Um, there could have been, but I... Oh, wait, no. Yeah, Ed, Ed Mannix is, is dubbing uh, the inspector who is played by... Who is that guy playing him? Renato Di Carmine, um, mm-hmm. or Carmine. Um, that was Ed Mannix. The only other thing I've seen that actor in, actually, Renato Di Carmine, he was in Antonio Marguerite's Treasure Island in Outer Space as Mr. Arrow, the first mate. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's the only... I, I, I saw him, I'm like, where do I recognize him from? And I'm like, oh yeah, he was in Treasure Island Outer Space about 15 years after this. So. <laughs> nice. Uh, we both own the uh, Cauldron Blu-ray release of this. I thought they'd done decent with this one. It's got a, uh, some commentary. It's also got a couple of uh, bonus or special features. One being a interview with the daughter of Pastore. And I watched that and, you know, of course it's sub titled you got to listen to it and i guess she's some kind of i don't know if she's famous but she was a singer and she does a little bit of singing on that one um as well as another uh another interview that i didn't get to but overall i mean cauldron done a pretty pretty bang up job on this one i thought it comes with a little uh what do you call it like a little placket card or whatever you want to call it uh and then you got the reverse poster art so pretty good stuff man i'm this i think was one of the first cauldron films i've actually picked up and uh, i'm glad i actually did probably one of mine as well it may have been my first i can't i'm trying to think if i picked up anything by them before that but yeah no i i do want to get their city of the living dead 4k at some point even though i already own that movie but i'm like i kind of want to get it just for the new features and see it on 4k yeah uh but yeah um, and I do want to pick up uh, I think it's Abracadabra is another one they did yeah I actually owned that one uh, I did pick that yeah. one up so I looked up and got that movie. Movie, yeah. yeah yeah we'll have to review um, that when you get it yeah, well, we'll we could probably just do a director spotlight on on Onetti at some point. Um, but yeah, I thought the Blu-ray was good. I got to watch the other commentary because I watched the the Troy Howarth, uh, Nathaniel Thompson one. The other one was by um, I can't remember what podcast they do, but Rachel, uh, Rachel Nisbet's show. Um, yeah, I know that they do a podcast and they they did a commentary for this as well. So, um, and this is one of those films too that 
if if someone said that this was their favorite giallo i would not you know dispute it and it almost feels like it's like if someone said this was their favorite giallo i'd almost have respect for them because it would be kind of a it would almost be kind of a deep cut like if someone says this is their favorite it means they they, they like the genre yeah definitely. it's almost like someone saying their favorite van halen song is uh, i don't know some some random song by van halen that wasn't like a big hit like light up the sky or something yeah um yeah yeah i totally agree with you i know exactly where you're going uh the poster art uh is really cool on this one and there's a couple of them but there's one in particular that uh has the cat on the top girl through some broke glass and then you got uh feeder in the middle with some circle around it. it's really cool man i like the poster uh but overall man this is a really really fun watch i recommend this one highly like if out of the ones that we've reviewed, this is one of those that I can definitely 100% put a stamp on and say definitely pick this one up if you want to see a good Jalo. And this one definitely hits on all avenues. I uh, I will say I think um, the movie Killer Workout. There's there's a part of that. There's a part of this movie that I think Killer Workout totally ripped off. <laughs> Which part? I think you know where I'm going. Oh, oh, oh wait, I do know. Uh, you talk about, um, let me make sure it's the right movie, because I think I picked that one up on Blu-ray. A- or a.k.a. Robicide, Killer Workout. But there's a, there's a certain part of the reveal that actually really mirrors what happens in that film. And, and to the point where I'm like, I'm like, did they see this movie? Did they get influenced by it? Because it's, like, it's very, very similar yes. to what happens. But, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah, I actually uh, I, I actually really like that movie. Yeah, I think like Olive Films did like a uh, like a, a a kind of Blu-ray of it. They took like the VHS print and like upscaled it and tried to do their best to make it into a Blu-ray. It's not bad. No, that's what we're gonna get for that movie. But <laughs> yeah, it's on yeah. their uh, slasher video label, which I've got that one and also picked up. Uh, Shock 'em Dead uh, is another one with Tracy. Oh, I Wars. like that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so both it's of those. One. Yeah, so uh, I don't. I know you can find them out there they're pretty expensive because i don't know if they print them anymore so uh but i do own both of those so yeah i know exactly what i've seen you talking about now that uh, i looked up killer workout and make sure it's the one i own so <laughs> it's really cool well and I, I think you and i are both on the same page like we like a lot of those like 80s slashers that were kind of one-offs like i love death spa oh, yeah. and movies like that uh what's it uh uh the yeah i like that one um but what's the one i watched slaughterhouse rock that's another good one mm-hmm. um but just there's ton, there's like a ton of random 80 slashers that I love that aren't necessarily appreciated. There are some that I don't think are very good, but I love uh, Blood Hook. That's one I love. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. One of those obscure ones that you, everyone should see at least once. <laughs> I got to say, um, Silva Koshina, just back, getting back to the movie before we get off on some crazy tangent, um, Silva Koshina had been around for a while. She's, she's kind of close to 40 years old in this, a bit younger, but she was in a, she was in like a Paul Newman movie at one point. She was in a ton of the Hercules films. Like she's kind of like one of those actresses, like a, an Erica Blanc or a, a Helga Line, who was in a ton of just Euro cult cinema films. And the Giallo was actually sort of after the, uh, the prime of her career, but she still ended up being in a few of them. And uh, I think I'm trying to, let me look here. Cause I know that she has a really good role in at least another one. Oh, oh you know what it is? I'm, I don't even have to look. She's in Lisa and the devil and she has a really good role in that uh the mario baba movie yeah yeah that's actually a really good film we got to get to watching that one yeah well it's interesting because between her and yeah giacomo rossi stewart was also in some mario baba movies as well um uh what's what's it called uh 
not not Lisa and the Devil. Why am I? Uh, is Kill Baby Kill? Kill Baby Kill. That's the one he's in. So uh, he's also an alum of uh, Mario Bava. So <laughs> nice. Did I, also? So am I the only one who thought that there was kind of a weird sexual tension, like some kind of homoerotic thing between Peter Oliver and Burton a little bit? I felt like it more with Burton than than Peter. Uh, yeah, definitely. yeah. Well, because like you can. Like even Peter talks about how like Burton doesn't approve of his relationships and, and stuff like that. So I thought like Burton may have had like a, a bit of a crush on him or something. <laughs> I kind of got that because you do get those moments where he gives those eyes. Uh, well, and Umberto Rajo's just so good at that anyway. <laughs> yeah, he, he has a very. He's basically like he's he's like an older Anthony Perkins, basically. <laughs> <laughs> no lie, <laughs> love it. So. Um, I guess we'll go into our ratings. Um, let's see here. Let's. Oh, you know what? Did I? I think. I think I may have pointed this out the last time I talked about him. Bert and Bert, I think I did talk about this, but he was in Double Team with uh, Van Damme and Rodman. The, the, that movie. <laughs> yeah. He plays one of the priests in it, and it's it's just very funny. The the six degrees of separation. Here's this guy who was in a ton of Giallo films, and he ends up being in a in a movie with John Claude Van Damme and Dennis Rodman <laughs> and Mickey Rourke, directed by. Chewy Hark, so it's like a Hong Kong directed film with like two, you know, Van Damme, Rodman, Mickey Rourke, and then, and then it has some Italian actors in it because Ted Russoff's also playing one of the priests in that, a, a very well known voice dubber of these films. So it's it, it's very funny all the connections there. <laughs> nice, I love it. Uh, so the crimes of the black cat. What you got on the rating on this one, Ian? Uh, I'd give it a solid eight. Um, I think if some of the other kills were a little more, like it, it were as brutal as the the one in the shower, I think I would have liked this movie a little bit more. Um, and there's it, there's really nothing I, I dislike about it. I just, uh, you know, I think there are better films to watch, but it's still a, a really good one. Agree. I'm coming in with eight five because I got to be higher than Oasis of Fear because I like it a little more. Uh, so it's eight five for me. And that one gore scene at the end of this movie is worth your admission man it was just solid solid one but very good good Jalo. so check it out out of the two this is the real only Jalo film that we reviewed tonight because oasis of fear is just not a Jalo. that is just not i'm gonna be straight up honest uh so whoever wrote that in their uh wikipedia whatever was just trying to cash in on the italy uh not every film that's in italy is is italian Jalo listeners so <laughs> Uh, some people miss. Yeah, like I said, Cold Eyes of Fear, the uh, Castellari movie, is sometimes classified as one, and that that really isn't one. I mean, that would be like saying, you know, The House on the Edge of the Park is a giallo because it's a thriller, but it's really not. You right. Know? right, exactly. All right, so um, what do we got coming up on the next episode of Black Glove Mysteries? So we were going to do uh, just a, you know, uh, I, I guess you call it a, a, the first director spotlight to mm-hmm. borrow from like 22 shots of moods where they do a ton of different director spotlights. Yeah. Uh, we'll do what our, our first uh, one on Lucio Fulci and we'll be doing um, a lizard and a woman's skin and don't torture a duckling, which I'm curious. I, I assume you've seen that since you did the episode with Dr. Dirty, right? I have. Oh, no, wait. No, I don't think I have. No. 
I think this will okay, be. Okay, so that would have been a while ago then. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that yeah that would have been quite a while ago. So I think that was with Doctor Dirty and Chantel. Mm. Um, and I think you gave it like a seven or something. I think your rating was pretty low, mm. if I remember. Correctly. Yeah, I can't wait um, to go back and do it because I've been wanting to see, or maybe I have seen. I can't remember like if I've seen it since then or not. I feel like I have, man, because I feel like I've watched it. That would have been back in like 20, oh God, when we would have done, that had been around 2014, 2015. So it, I think I've seen it around 2018, 2019, I would say. So um, it, it's definitely going to be higher than a seven, listeners, I can tell you that. Yeah, it's, it's, let's just say it is up there among my favorites. And Lizard and a Woman's Skin is good, too. And I haven't seen it in a minute. And also, actually, now I just thought of this. They're actually watching a Lizard and the Woman's Skin in this movie, in that sort of uh, oh, yeah. blowout, uh, blowout type scene where they're, they're like, you know, they're, they're trying to show him the film to, to do the score for it because Peter's doing a score for a film. And that's actually what they're watching. <laughs> I love it. All right, so stay tuned for that. So 1971, A Lizard and Woman's Skin, as well as 1972's Don't Torture Duckling. It will be our Fulci um, spotlight hour, I guess we'll call it. And um, so what you got in closing, Ian? And uh, we'll close this out and get ready for Mortis Vision. Uh, you can you know find me on social media uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Erzonomics. You can add me on Facebook. Blog site is still up. I'm trying to get back to it as soon as I straighten some things out with the new house and everything. Uh, the good, the bad, and the macabre.blogspot.com. Uh, and yeah, that's about it. I haven't had any. All my podcast appearances, my guest appearances are out. So I know I talked about them. So nice. that's that is what I have to add. Awesome. For me, I do have a a guest spot coming up on 22 shots of moods horror podcast where they're doing their italian horror month and it was just recently on there and we were looking at poopy avati uh so we got three of their films over there that we reviewed had a great time and when that one releases uh it'll definitely be shared so i definitely want y'all to check it out i had a good time went on a bunch of tangents man we were all over the spectrum and i loved it uh love the guys over there tyler jp and moods so uh definitely hope for you guys to tune in on that one i'll put uh links out on facebook and twitter and all that once it hits uh so that said stay tuned as we get ready to go into mortis vision until next week this is greg and mortis and ian Erza, and we'll see you on the flip side like we like to say get your jelly on LOTC presents Mortis Vision with Greg Amortis and the Twisted Temptress. Welcome to Mortis Vision with the Mortises. I'm Greg Amortis along with the Twisted Temptress. That's right. It's my love, Pearl. Uh, both under the weather right now still. <laughs> yep. Pearl, you're battling that severe sinus infection. Oh, you're in. Yeah, my head is... Uh... In its own world. <laughs> it is. And unfortunately, we've already recorded the uh, episode. This is 347. We've already recorded 348. And Pearl wasn't able to make it because of that. Yeah. So unfortunately, but we're here tonight. Uh, and I'm battling something with my throat and everything. So anyways, bear with us. We're going to get through this. Uh, <laughs> as mentioned uh, on 345, we were doing a little bit different format, running down the uh, Mortis Vision in the future where we did mention uh, we're not going to 
throw away all the TV series, but we were going to mix in some uh, made-for-TV movies, and we decided this episode that we were going to uh, review one. I guess it is a made-for-TV movie, according to Victoria Chambers. Uh, Victoria had over on Facebook group page had uh, commented and wanted us to review a movie called Mr. Frost, and this was from 1990, starring Jeff Goldblum. So we're that's what we're doing tonight. We checked it out, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to get into that one. Uh, so we're super excited. Appreciate you tuning in. Once again, this is episode 347, Double Double 23. Um, I hope you've uh, enjoyed the Black Glove Mysteries as Ian and I looked at the crimes of the Black Cat as well as Oasis of Fear. I uh, had a good time, but now it's time to get into our uh, Mortis vision. And this right here, love, I had never seen Mr. Frost. Yeah, I don't remember seeing it either. And I've never heard of it, honestly. Which is a little unusual because I do like Jeff Jeff Goldblum a lot. Mm-hmm. So being something with Jeff Goldblum in it, I'm surprised that I hadn't seen it. But we're going to review this movie. But I think before we do that, we're going to go to the trailer. I actually got a trailer, love. Nice. Right. So that's what we're going to do. We'll play the trailer and then we'll come back and we'll break this little puppy down. And uh, we'll probably do some spoilers in this. So... Be forewarned. I don't know how much we'll spoil of this, and are we going to spoil a lot? Or yeah, why not? Okay, we'll spoil the crap out of this then. So, <laughs> if you haven't seen Mr. Frost, is available on YouTube. Uh, check it out and then listen to the episode. So let's listen to the trailer. of the slightest clue regarding Frost's identity. There's no official trace of him anywhere. What has he done? And in two years he hasn't uttered a single word? Frost is not mentally ill, Dr. Day. He has no place in your hospital. What does he want with us? Oh, in fact, who are you? I'm the Gaga Man. (laughs) He spoke to you. trailer love what do you think of that <laughs> sound eerie it does sound eerie a little bit eerier than the movie was honestly yeah but still all righty so now that we got the trailer out let's go ahead and go i think we'll just go to uh 
Let's go to the IMDb synopsis, love. Let's just read off of there what we got. Uh, a serial killer gets sent to a me- mental institution, but as his insidious presence causes or calls the doctors and orderlies to receive strange visions, his psychiatrist tries to fold, uh, find out his true identity. Uh, so that's what IMDb got. And we got Felipe Sitbon uh, is the director of this movie. Uh, was shot in Paris, France. And I think immediately, Love, I think um, this definitely had a made-for-TV. Whether it was a made-for-TV or not, I'm not 100% sure. But it definitely felt like a made-for-TV movie. Yeah, it did. And I like that, you know, because I do like made-for-TV movies. Me too. And um, one thing I noticed immediately was the backdrop, like the scenery. We got castles, we got, you know, or not necessarily castle, but it's a big house that would form like a castle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got the aerial shots at the beginning uh, where they had the car, and they're kind of going over it. I love that. You know I'm a sucker, or a motorcycle, and you know I'm a sucker for... Aerial shots. <laughs> you always get a bonus. And I'm a sucker for the fluorescent blue like hue that they have. Yeah. The color it was, it was eerie, yet it gave the touch for like the beginning of it. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so opening scene, love, we open up with this. And uh, it's basically these two guys on a motorcycle, right, in the middle of the night. They roll up to this big... I'm going to call it a mansion. I don't know what type. Castle, mansion, house, whatever you want to call it. Abandoned mansion. Abandoned mansion, they think. And uh, they decide they're going to break in. Uh, not not paying attention to like the big shadow on the window. <laughs> Somebody's staring <laughs> down at them like, hello. <laughs> but they don't care. They're going to break in anyways. Uh, so they do break in. And uh, we find out a little later that they're car thieves. Right? Mm-hmm. So evidently that's what they were looking for were cars so they break in and there's this uh garage and they find this badass car and they're really excited about it uh but once they break in there's also the first vision of jeff goldblum first we see jeff goldblum just sitting there like you know (laughs) nonchalant like somebody just broke in my house it's okay yeah just having a cigarette just chilling i'm okay (laughs) i don't care if somebody's breaking into my house i'm I'm good uh so yeah they uh get ready to steal the car they open the door and that's when the like you said the dead body falls out and they get scared freaked out and they run away (laughs) so that's the opening scene yeah now going into it know nothing about this movie i just know mr frost right what happens later or next scene is we have uh this guy or his gentleman show up which we come to find out is uh kind of like a a inspector uh but it's mrs uh mrs mr detweiler <laughs> and that's played by alan bates and alan bates i guess had done a lot of tv and plays and different things uh in british side of things so he had a lot of um, been acting a pretty good while so anyways, really good actor. He comes in and just nonchalant said, you know, we just caught a couple couple car thieves, love. <laughs> and they just happened to mention something about you. And the whole time, Jeff Goldblum's, he's just like nothing's wrong, right? Well, yeah, because he's kind of used to this, this detective, you know. He's been following him for some time now. Well, we see him that he asks him for coffee or whatever. You want some coffee? And then he makes a pie. He said, you want something, a pie? <laughs> Which is the oddest thing. Like he's taking pictures, Polaroid pictures of this pie or whatever that he made. Well, that's where he says that that's his only comfort. 
This is pots, making pies. Yeah. <laughs> and then he don't eat them. He throws them away because he don't really have appetite. There's no need for him to eat anything. That should have been a clue right there. Mm-hmm. So uh, they sit down, and he's getting ready to drink the coffee, and he starts talking with uh, Mr. Frost, and he mentions to him how they had just caught these two car thieves and how that they had mentioned they had... Uh, found his place, found this nice car, and uh, they found a dead body. <laughs> and Jeff Goldblum's like, yeah, sure did. You know, basically he's like, yeah, I was getting ready to bury the body in the backyard when you pulled up. <laughs> and that catches Detweiler back, like, what? What are you talking about? Sure, I just, yeah, of course I'm murdered. I got a lot of bodies in the yard, you know. I'm just, and you're like, wait a minute. So instantly in this movie, love, I'm already like, what in the world are we dealing with? Like he's <laughs> a clear serial killer, all right. You know he's a serial killer. An honest one. An honest serial killer. Like he wanted, I guess, to get caught. Best I can tell. And then we find out that he goes to uh, gets arrested, and and then we flash forward. I think it was two years later, and he's being transported out of this asylum to another asylum. Which is cool, but uh, we're introduced now to Dr. Sarah Day, played by Kathy Baker. And what did you tell me about Kathy Baker? You said every time you see her, you only think of one thing from her. Oh, yeah, Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even catch it. Like, I knew her, right? I've seen her before, but I just I never remembered what she was in. Uh, very recognizable, but... Yeah, all that matches the red hair, and Edward, you can't do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, basically, you got all these uh, doctors and psychiatrists gathered around Jeff Goldblum. Uh, Mr. Frost, I should say. And uh, they're mentioning that he hasn't spoken in two years. Well, he instantly looks at Dr. Sarah and starts talking a little bit. So that catches him off guard. Like, why? Because he decided he only wants to speak to her. Yep. He will only speak to her. He will not speak to no other. And uh, so that's the setup. This is the movie now. So then we're into a whole uh, cat and mouse game between Mr. Frost and Dr. Sarah. And then also the main doctor, I guess, uh, I think it's Dr. Scolari. Uh, so you're into all these different scenarios of they're trying to get them to speak. I think the main guy of the psychiatry ward love is just more about fame and trying to get this guy uh, so he'd be the first to make him talk and be the first to reveal who he is. I don't think he's about helping him. I think he just wants to be first, right? Where Sarah, uh, I think she's definitely wanting to get to the nuts and bolts of this thing and try to help. Kind of, yeah. So I feel like that's kind of the avenue it's going. You also have Vincent Schiavelli in this one. I love Vincent Schiavelli. He plays the desk clerk in this hotel. Uh, so we got him in it. Got some pretty good actors in this one for sure. Mm-hmm. But I love how this movie rolls because we eventually find out who Mr. Frost actually is. Right? I mean, he, yeah. he makes no bones about it. There's one scene where she's actually asking you know, who he is. After he does just a few little unexplainable things. Which she calls nothing more than a parlor trick or mm-hmm. sleight of hand, but the things that he's doing is not something that a normal person could do. Yeah. But, anyway, she tries to write it off as that. But eventually it gets down to where she's asking him, who exactly are you? And he reveals, like, basically he's saying, I'm, I'm the devil. I'm the prince of darkness. Like, I am, you know, I am the devil. Satan. And he always uses God in the same sentence. Always. 
<laughs> that's wild. Now, what I love about this movie, I got to say, is Jeff Goldblum. Now, this is pre Jurassic Park, right? And, and yeah. So I liked it. I like that we're seeing Jeff Goldblum before he had his big hit, you know, as far as because Jurassic Park definitely. I mean, The Fly, of course, as well. But The Fly was in 1986, so we already had him in that. But I feel like Jurassic Park really, to the masses, right, got him out there. A lot of people know The Fly, but not as many as know Jurassic Park. But he always comes out as a genius. I mean, even in Powder, mm-hmm. you know. Hideaway was a good one. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I mean, he's, a, he's such an amazing actor. He's a quirky actor. Mm-hmm. He has that... that nuance about himself where he's kind of uh, nerdy but in a cool nerdy way but he's also in a geeky kind of way too you know to be not to be a a rare yeah that big word just saying I don't want to be irrelevant yes but he just he's got a way about him that I just I'm glued to him like he makes me want to watch him he's a good looking guy I mean we've seen all the women goo over this guy and I can clearly understand why he's a gooable guy uh, but in this movie man it's really well told like I really love the story um, you're not going to get any gore you're not going to get anything this is more of a psychological thriller to me it does have some horror elements but I think it's more of a thriller yeah so I think if you're going in for a straight up horror you're definitely not going to get it in this, but uh, IMDb has it as a crime drama horror. Um, I would call it a thriller drama horror. Maybe something like that or psychological. Throw all that in there. Um, but it actually it, it's not that long of a movie. It feels like it's not long. I think it's only an hour and 44 minutes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't play that long. Like it, To me, once you start the movie, it kind of progresses pretty quickly. Yeah. So I was kind of intrigued by it. They end up finding, uh, during the movie, you know, they end up finding that Jeff Goldblum had killed, like, you know, they dug up, like, 24 or 27 bodies or something. You know, he'd been doing this for a long time. She said that they were buried. Yep. And all he wanted to do was make her, right? All his life goal now is is to make her acknowledge him, to make her understand who he really is. And uh, once he was able to do that, he's trying to coax her into murdering him. Like, he wants her to murder him. <laughs> That's what he wants, and we're giving spoilers out. He eventually has her do that. <laughs> right? But if he's Satan, you can't murder the devil. No, because we get that whole... We get that whole falling or body jump scene at the end when she actually does shoot him and then she turns to the camera or the camera pans on her and she says in his voice a phrase, you know, and it's like, that wasn't her. That was him talking. So I'm like, huh. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. But they have, um, I jumped ahead a lot right there. But in the middle, we got the uh, Detmeyer had actually, after he originally uh, met Jeff Goldblum at the house and all that took place, he left the force. Yeah. You know, he ended up leaving, and he's out with this old gentleman living in this house, and it's almost like he's become a, a, a religious zealot or something. Right? Yeah. And he ends up getting back into the case because of Dr. Sarah Day. And then they end up actually 
falling for each other in a romantic way, which is odd. But he still is obsessed with Jeff Goldblum's character, Mr. Frost. Like, he wants, he knows, I mean, he absolutely knows he's the devil. Because he made a believer out of him. Exactly. So, I mean, there's no doubt in, in Detmeyer's uh, eyes that he's the devil. He's just trying to make everybody else see it, and he wants to get him... Uh, done away with like he needs him to be done and there is a scene right before she goes to kill kill mr frost that it was originally going to be detmeyer that was going to kill him and she ended up he fell asleep and she took the gun from him and then she went to kill him uh so we got that and then at the very end of the movie when you know everything's said and done they're putting her in an ambulance she looks over at him and he get, looks at her and you can see that look he knew something he knew, he knew what had happened like the devil's not done. The Satan's not. He's still alive, and he's looking right at her. <laughs> well, because pretty much he's confirming that he can be in anyone yep. at any time. Exactly. I mean, we all got a little good. We all got a little evil. Mm-hmm. You know? But this one's fun. I like this movie a lot. Like, I really uh, thought it played out really well. I did, too. I mean, the one thing I do like about Jeff Goldblum is that he knows how to tell a story within a story. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not just hearing something. He legit makes you visualize exactly what's being told. Yeah. Like, I mean, when we're introduced to this story, I mean, we all know the story about the devil, mm-hmm. you know, hating upon humans, being jealous, falling to the on earth. For the main purpose of what? That to betray God and say, you know what, I can make them turn against you. Mm-hmm. Well, now, kind of reverse role. Now he's the one pissed off because, like the doctor, and that's why he picked her. He doesn't like scientists because scientists have a theory for everything. Right. And it makes you push away from religion, makes you not believe in the devil or God, and that pissed them off. Yeah, like there's no faith. So what better way than to get into the main head of the scientists and be like, well, I'm going to make you believe. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what he did. Yeah, because he even had the main psychiatrist, the head honcho guy, actually go to the top of a roof to kill himself. Like he legit even made a recording of his, his suicide note. You know, so he took somebody of that science, of that elk and was able to cause him had not somebody grabbed him to kill himself because there's always a reason a way a price no matter what you do i mean faith can always be tempered with and that's exactly what he was trying to show and that's exactly what he proved and that's why he was able to take over and do things and you know all he was trying to do was restore that moment of faith and religion not only because of god that's why he would mention him with him mm-hmm. but for the devil yep without believing in any of two none of them would exist exactly so the story is well told i do feel like i said once again it does feel made for tv it doesn't feel like it's a big cinematic uh movie which is nothing wrong with that no it's not but it didn't feel like a movie like a. What would you say? Because if you start talking this, you'd have to be talking about movies like uh, like the movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. It, it's just not a high-definition, uh, you know, five-star movie kind of deal. Mm-hmm. You're looking at, a, you know, obviously what, what it's meant. TV movie, you know, mm-hmm. three-star level kind of deal. Yeah, definitely. But it's a fun watch. I, I, I recommend it. I think people should watch this. It's available on YouTube for free. Hour and 44 minutes. Yeah, you don't really 
even feel the hour 44 minutes. No. It goes pretty quick because you're intrigued with this story. You do. And like I said, I think the acting is really strong. I mean, a lot of, I don't want to say a lot, there are some British actors in there. I always love to hear British actors talk. I just love the accents and stuff. Uh, once again, I love the the backdrop of this movie. So uh, it's really well done. Yeah. And uh, Philip, the director, Philip. I guess it's Felipe, I should say. It says like kind of like Philip, but it's Felipe Setbon. Uh, let's look up what he had done. He had actually done... Uh, now, see, he is a, a uh, British, I guess you would say, or from France or whatever. Uh, so a lot of his stuff is French, so I don't recognize much of anything. I wonder if it's Felipe. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking it's definitely Felipe. Uh, a lot of his his credit roles here as writer and directors and stuff is is definitely uh, stuff in French. So you know, nothing that I would be able to recognize for sure. Yeah. Uh, but let's see what he had actually directed. Uh, it doesn't look like. I mean, he did direct 19. Uh, let me see how many it was total here. My IMDb is acting screwy tonight, like me, feeling <laughs> screwy. Uh, let's see. He directed 19 different things, so let's get to that. Let's see. All right, so let's see. Here we go. Uh, so we have got not much, love. <laughs> I don't recognize <laughs> any of this. Uh, but he done good with this one, so we'll give him props on that, right? True. He's got Roxanne's hand in 2012 was the last thing to his credit. Okay. Uh, a lot of TV movies, TV series stuff. So uh, looks like that was definitely in his wheelhouse. Uh, something TV movie called Ricky or the, also the Dream Team and the Presence. Uh, so some of that stuff. But he done a really good job with this one. I felt like it was shot well. It was paced well. I do like the blue hue love that you were talking about in the filming of it. I thought it was done really well. Uh, so overall, man, I give this a give us a thumbs up. Um, if we had to rate it, love, where would you rate this one? Um, it feels like what one out of five. I, I'd probably three out of five. So do it out of five instead of ten. Yeah. Okay. All right. So three out of five. Well, I feel like TV movies are more like one through five. <laughs> right. So instead of five stars, we'll give it. Uh, We'll give it five bones or five something. <laughs> so you're giving it a three. I would go with a. Uh, I would go with two and a half stars on this one, and uh, we'll call it stars. Why not? So made for TV movies. We'll do that. So uh, three star for Pearl. I'm gonna give it two and a half, and still say it's worth a watch, man. If you like Jeff Goldblum, I, I definitely recommend it for sure. So that is the feature review for tonight. But now I do want to say, because we're filming this actually, or filming it, we're uh, recording this actually on Thanksgiving. Yeah, so happy Thanksgiving. That's what I was going to say. So happy <laughs> Thanksgiving to every one of you. I know as you're uh, listening to this, uh, Thanksgiving was yesterday if you're listening on Friday. So today is the leftovers and the turkey sandwiches <laughs> and oh. all that good stuff. I get the pie. You get the pie. So I do hope that everybody has had an amazing Thanksgiving. I hope that uh, you didn't go in too big of a, uh, uh, what would you call it, a uh, food coma or anything, turkey coma. Because <laughs> <laughs> Lord knows I did. Pearl knows I, I passed out pretty damn quick. Yeah, you did. I did. I couldn't help it, man. You, <laughs> whatever you put in that damn turkey does not meet a... Uh, Hell out. 
<laughs> but that's what it's supposed to be for. We was watching football. Next thing you know, I was asleep. It's like Snoopy. You're laying down and yeah. like all you see the tummy because you're so full. Yeah. Or Garfield. I'd be Garfield. Yeah. It's funny. Watch football, fall asleep, wake up, and Indiana Jones is on. Like, hey, there we go. Now we're good. <laughs> so I like that. <laughs> Uh, so once again we love we're very thankful both of us are very thankful for you the listeners like seriously like uh, you've always came out in spades you supported and and kind of the amount of love that you share with us is amazing and I hope we can share as much to you as you give to us because so you guys are so well deserved of it man we love you so much I know I'm grateful too I mm. mean I'm grateful for I mean every every single bit of everything like they introduce us to you know and keep us in their lives mm-hmm. you know we watch their children grow we watch them get married and it's like all the beautiful things that we been introduced with them and it's like god we got a wonderful community we do we really do uh so know that we love you and appreciate you and we're hoping for a blessed year coming up hoping that 2024 is going to be a banger year i know it's going to be uh lots of cool stuff coming down the avenue uh, our next episode of LOTC, episode 348, like I said, is already recorded and in the bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pearl will be editing it really soon. And that one, we had Alexander Finitonis from uh, the Facebook group page. Alexander crushed it. We're talking uh, heavy metal horror. Mm-hmm. And we got a uh, movie review we'll hold until you watch or listen to the episode. <laughs> uh, we made a lot of fun on that one. Get your pens and paper ready because there is a lot of music knowledge coming out of Alex that you will not want to forget, uh, especially if you're trying to get into different genres of music. Uh, if you're trying to get into black metal or Norwegian metal or heavy metal, man, get your pens ready because he's going to throw some names at you. Good Lord, I loved it. Uh, so really loved it. Alex knocked it out of the park. Uh, the next Double Double, which will be episode 349, uh, we're going to go ahead and announce, uh, so you can go ahead and get prepared. Uh, what we're going to be doing is we're going to have two special guests. Who we have in love? Karen Wagner and Brian Scott. That's right. Karen Wagner and Brian Scott are coming on, and we're going to be talking a TV series. And Karen has been addicted to this show, <laughs> and now she's got us wanting to watch it. So, uh, the name of the series is Frogging. Hider in my house. Frogger. Frogging hider in my house, and no, it's not frogging like you go f- playing frogger. You see, that's the thing. I can't say it. So even if I try, I still end up saying froggy. It's froggy. No, it's frogging. P H R O G G I N G. Hider in my house. You say what is frogging? Well, we're going to let you know, but a little tidbit about it. It's about somebody that's living in your home and you don't know it. Mm-hmm. This is a legit thing. So we're going to be looking at this TV series. It's available on Hulu. Uh, so if you have Hulu, definitely check it out. And uh, we'll be reviewing season one. I think there's only one season of mm-hmm. it. Uh, but I have not checked it out as of yet. We're going to start watching it uh, next couple of days. So basically, they are short segments or whatever like individual stories throughout the series um real life uh documentary yep real life dealt with this Mm. so if you have an attic or a basement 
And you think you're hearing... Rats. Rats or something. Or creaks in the wall. I would check your fridge to see if you got anything missing or maybe some clothes or something. I mean, you thought you locked the door. Are you sure you locked that door? Oh, this is going to be creepy. <laughs> this is going to creep me out, but it really is. Uh, so that's what we're going to be talking about. Frogging Hider in My House with special guests Karen Wagner and Brian Scott. That will be on episode 349. Uh, but thank you for tuning in for 347. Uh, thank you for everybody that listened to the whole episode the uh, Black Glove Mysteries with Ian Erza and I, which was a lot of fun. Uh, stay tuned for the following of that. And then, of course, our next episode coming up with uh, Alexander Fintonis as we look at heavy metal horror. So we're going to end this. We're going to take some uh, Sudafed and some whatever kind of medication. Yeah. We're going to knock ourselves out. And <laughs> Mine has to be orange flavor. Yeah, Pearl don't take medicine. She don't like it. So I'll be taking it. <laughs> i got to get this shit cleared up. Uh, so we love you guys. Like we always like to say, Pearl, what do you like to say? What do you got? Let me go ahead and go to that first before I say what I say. Oh, I'm on the main LLTC group page, and I'm anywhere Greg Amortis is at. Ooh, I love it. Uh, for me, you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok, and that's X, not Twitter, I guess. Uh, anywhere, social media, you can probably find me somewhere floating around. So until next time, as we always like to say, help keep poor alive. We do that one movie at a time, one review at a time. Till next time, peace. Ha <laughs> ha